um, I just activated Siri somehow, and I don't know how. <laughs> but when I just said, are you recording? Siri was like, I can't do that. For more information on privacy, you know, and I always have weird accents on my Siri. So, mm-hmm. like, it was a bad Siri impersonation, but yeah. No, I gotcha. I got that. Yeah. Anyways. My Siri was male for a while, and then I realized I didn't like taking directions from a man's voice. So, I switched her back to female. Most of mine are Irish mm-hmm. female. Mine's Irish and female. And I like that. Yeah. I like Irish female. Mm-hmm. I like Irish female Siri. I tried South um, African female for a while. It sounded too formal. Yeah, I agree. It just it, I didn't feel I didn't feel it. No. It felt weird. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. Anyways, welcome to the Black Door Music Argument. I'm Karsten. <laughs> I'm Gary. <laughs> and uh, uh yeah. So uh today we're gonna be talking about technically Blink. Right. But Blink 182. Yes. And the album Cheshire Cat continuing our step through the 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 discography of Blink-182. Yeah. Um, so it's important that we start off with the current band lineup <laughs> is Mark, Tom, and Scott still on drums. That's where we're sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've listened before, our last episode on Buddha was in April. And now we are in September. So if you've been on the edge of your seat, it is now time to relax. <laughs> yeah. And I'll explain why there was such a long gap. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be I'll be really forthcoming. Mm-hmm. I really don't care for Cheshire Cat, <laughs> and I knew that if we were going to record it, I was going to have to listen to it a lot. Yeah. And Cheshire Cat was always the album that you put on for the first five tracks and then put in Dude Ranch, yep. and that was my tat. Like literally, yeah. Cheshire Cat was like that one burnt CD that looked immaculate forever mm-hmm. because it just never really got circulation right. because carousels great yes yes m&m's awesome yep. fun yep like there's there's some good stuff on there yep uh honestly as, as you just kind of keep running through a few of the songs it's it's fun yeah but then also um you you have to listen to the rest of it and I realized that I didn't really want to most of the time. Yeah. So, uh, still went ahead and did it, and we listened to it. We did it. Yay, we did it. Um, but <laughs> I us. will admit, I was the I was the uh, the anchor keeping us from recording <laughs> this one because I would prefer to listen to other things. Yeah. And I I did my damnedest to prepare for this. I listened to this album. Probably more than I ever have before, and hopefully more than I ever do in the future. <laughs> I kept having the experience where I was like, all right, you're going to listen to Cheshire Cat, and then I would put it on, and then I'd kind of forget that I was supposed to be listening to it for a thing. So yes. I would just yeah. be like, okay, now we're done with that, and I would skip to something else. I'd be like, damn it, Carrie, you have to go back and listen to the rest so, of it. <laughs> uh, this morning, skipping. I was like, hey, I need to make sure to... I, I, this morning, I was like, I need to give a little bit more time listening to this. And I talked to the wife, and she was like, okay, well, do you want to listen to like, the lawn or something? I'm like, no. <laughs> Actually, yes, that's perfect. Background <laughs> noise. This is good background. Like, yeah. Okay, back in, back in I don't know, middle school, high school, when I was listening to this, mm-hmm. I would be like, I'd put it on because I was going to, like, rearrange my room because I love doing that. That was just a thing where I'm like, oh, I have my independence. I will put my bed in front of the door and <laughs> ha ha or like whatever the fuck it was I that still week. love rearranging but rooms anyway sorry <laughs> it's fun it's fun um uh so that was like i put that on it was like a deep clean of everything and then rearrange 
And again, Cheshire Cat would land in first. Cause I'm like, I'm going to start it. I'm going to go with Cheshire Cat first. I always listen to Dude Ranch or whatever. If I was in the mood for Blake Water 2. So I put yeah. that in. I'm like, I'm going to change it up. Five tracks in. You know what? I think I'm going to flip over to the other one. Yep. Just because it's better. It's better. It's better for background noise or whatever it is. I tell myself in my head. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely one that I stand by that. Having listened to it like way way a lot yeah and it really is kind of I, I will say so i have a watch that i will control my music when i'm listening to if i'm out like mowing mm-hmm. and my watch was dead and charging when i started mm-hmm. which was really good because it eliminated all of my <laughs> ability to just quickly skip right i would have to like what am i supposed to do take the phone out of my pocket like an animal exactly <laughs> yeah that's not gonna happen i'm not gonna reach oh. into my pocket Oh my god, what is this? Like 2004 right. or 19 uh 19 when was this literally? 1995? Yeah. February 17th. Right. God. Yeah. I don't know on a cassette, I guess. Yeah. Fast forward. Yeah. I have to like unlock my phone. I have to see the screen and press a button. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. Too much. So, yeah. So I And I don't want to shit all over this album. I think the thing that I find really interesting is overall production value. It was an early pop punk Mm -hmm. album. Oh, yeah. Really when pop punk was really like defining what it was. And this was, I I would feel, fairly influential in terms of where that was going. Yeah. I think that it is not as influential as, say, Dude Ranch because Dude Ranch was much more defined for what the sound was. Right. This is like it was a skate rock or a surf rock was how people were calling it and it wasn't punk rock right but it was kind of punk rock so it was like a surf skate punk rock Mm -hmm. because it was defining this newer sound that was becoming more widespread now had there been bands similar sounding beforehand yes but this was different yeah now the (laughs) other thing i will say Mm -hmm. um because i'm just not allowing you to talk no it's fine (laughs) just continue to monologue (laughs) I am the I am the male I'm the male Siri here. Yes. You'll have to listen to what I say. <laughs> Damn it. Hello and welcome to no, um you I should have done this with Barry. But <laughs> pretty much, yeah. No, he does the same thing. He really I th- does. I think it's a problem here. I know. Um but I was talking to someone once and they were like, I wanna listen to something that's like kind of got like an alternative, kind of like punkish, maybe maybe rock, alternative rock kind of sound, but you know, hits on some more serious and deeper stuff. And I was like, oh, you should check out, like, Green Day. Yeah. Like, that's that's something you should check out. And they were like, absolutely not. I won't listen to anything pre-2004 from Green Day or 2003. And I was like, what? Why? <laughs> and they were like, because all they talk about are, like, dick and fart jokes. And I was like, are you sure you're not thinking about Blink-182? <laughs> right. Because, um. like, yeah, there, there are some songs like that by Green Day, but I Green mean- Day hits on, like, Wait, like time of time of your life is literally yeah not a dick and fart joke song. I was gonna, but like yeah, I mean they have an ahead, album sorry. named Dookie, but like yeah, that yeah they have time of your life and like yeah, like there's a bunch they of songs that are much stuff. more of like existential angst that you're feeling as yeah. a youth. Like no, this is like deeper. And when I'm listening to this album, I'm like I am like ninety five percent certain that they think this album was Green Day. <laughs> Yeah, that, yep. I don't know. Like, like, I was not part of this conversation, but I could see that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, I, 
I honestly don't remember which is the um oh fuck. The problem is like every time oh it depends. Every time I listen to this, I'm not it's this is not one that you know the name to no, most of the songs. Not at all, yeah. Because they have funny and fun and unique ones. So it's like I know M&M's because it's a very popular song. Right. If you were to guess the name of it, it wouldn't be M&M's. Exactly. Carousel, you could guess. You can guess Carousel. Depends. You can guess. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. For sure. Uh, Toast and Bananas? No. Okay. No. So, nope, not at all. anyways, like <laughs> the the names are super unique, mm-hmm. and I will say, like when I was early writing, like writing music in like shitty garage bands, mm-hmm. I was like, dude, I love just like random fucking names that make no sense. It's so cool, and like I realized people are like, oh well, yeah, but no one knows the name of the song, right? Like, you have people that enjoy your music, but they literally like, how are they supposed to know this? Yeah, and like literally played in one that talked about like a. Montana's gone or something like that because there was a license plate that was Montana that left Mm -hmm. and so it was like oh well that thing's gone and then all of a sudden it was like well how the fuck are people supposed to know that's the name of the song your song is about being a little bitch like (laughs) why don't you just call it little bitch instead of Montana like it's like that so the is like the first big panic at the disco album where you're like I write sins, not tragedies is the only title I know because they're just random. And I think there's a uh, follow-up boy album like that too. Where you're like, what is happening? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think with this one, like the struggle I have is I'm not going to, I don't, I, I will not be able to correctly name all of the songs on here. Oh yeah. I just won't. It's not going to happen. It's not because I don't think that some of the songs are catchy or fun. This is a fun album. Yes. It is a fun album. Mm-hmm. It is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. The problem that I have is it's the way that it stands. It doesn't hold up as well as other albums. Right. A lot of bands are like, oh, I really enjoy their early stuff. And then their later stuff gets kind of weird. And there's a lot of bands that you have like that. Or a lot of them are like, oh, I don't like their early stuff. But their later stuff's really weird. Blink-182 for me is a pocket in the middle. Yep. It really is like... Early stuff, that's fine. I can listen to it. Later stuff, it's fine. I can listen to it. But I really love the meat and potatoes in the middle. Mm -hmm. Like, your appetizers were garbage. No, I shouldn't say garbage. Your appetizers weren't great. They were fine. Your desserts were fine. Mm -hmm. But, man, your entrees were great. Right. (laughs) We had, like, mozzarella sticks and, like, some ice cream. But in the middle there was, like, filet mignon, man. (laughs) It was was vanilla ice cream with some sprinkles for dessert. (laughs) Yep. Stale. It was cinnamon. It was cinnamon sprinkles you could put on top of vanilla ice cream. <laughs> it's not that it's bad. It's just not what you were just, expecting. Yeah. Um, and, and it was semi. It was microwaved mozzarella sticks. Right. Like, depending on how drunk you are, it's great. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That is the perfect metaphor. Yes. <laughs> so, as as we're listening through this, the thing that I really enjoy is. You hear so much of the influence coming in in for like where they would go, mm-hmm. even like uh, almost a decade later when self titled came out. There was the early stuff that as I was listening to it, and it was you know Thomas singing his song and Mark in the background, uh, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I'm like. Oh man, that's so icon like that was a really bad example. Like don't judge me. I wasn't trying to make fun of Mark or anything, but it's like they just really just sing on vowels. Right. As harmonies. Right. 
And to me, I'm like, oh, that's so iconic. And I was like, well, do they actually continue on with that? And I think about like as production changed in the later albums, they just added layers of guitars and layers of instruments over the top of it to replace the uh, yeah. uh <laughs> to become <laughs> just like these layers of power chords that just create this 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 beautiful harmonies that kind of become in and it, right. it's really kind of interesting like there were production limitations this was not this 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 album was not recorded as a take off your pants and jacket. They weren't right. Blink One Eighty Two. Right. They were a up and coming. They were Blink. <laughs> they were Blink, and they were okay. So if you're not familiar with this, Blink One Eighty Two started off as the band Blink, mm-hmm. and they were <laughs> there was a Irish band. Yes, who was Irish that also had the name Blink, and they were releasing music under Blink, and then they got a cease and desist we're gonna sue your ass off Mm -hmm. if you don't do this and blink is not a big band so they decide that they're going to change their name and they added an arbitrary number of 182 Mm -hmm. so blink 182 that's the reason why there's a lot of speculation about what does it mean well yeah it's gonna everything they said yeah there's all this lore about the one I <coughs> I heard most often was that's the number of times fuck is said in Goodfellas, Reservoir Dogs, some some movie, S- something, something yeah. like that, Scarface, some movie that is on college dorm room walls, posters. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue. You mean Breakfast Club? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. But yeah, so so that's <laughs> where the name kind of it, well it came from. They had actually released. Cheshire Cat with the name Blink rebranded as Blink 182 so they wouldn't get sued. Yeah. And it I believe helped it was a techno band Blink. Yeah. It was an Irish techno band. Yeah, I don't know. I could have Wikipedia that. I didn't. It does. I, I actually didn't it's I didn't fine. Wikipedia a lot of this. So Yeah. Um so that was it. This also album led to their first music video mm-hmm. of Eminem which the thing that I find really funny is if you watch that music video and you were taking a guess on which member of the band would be ejected first, I should say, <laughs> it was going to be Tom. Yeah, for sure. Because Tom was not the star of that music video. He's, yeah. It, it's one of those, like, very seldomly does the drummer get more attention than the guitarist. <laughs> but in this one, I felt like when it was shot, it was a fuck Tom DeLong move. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he pissed off the cinematographer or something, but... Yeah. Someone got pissed off and he got left out. I shouldn't say pissed off. It just it just kind of had a different feeling. Yeah. Now, it also was goofy and weird and set the precedence for all future Blink Blink music videos with the exception of like Adam Song and Stay Together for the Kids. Right. Well, those They're like which are You can't really be goofy serious. with those. <laughs> I mean, they could have. Right. They, I wouldn't have recommended it. No. <laughs> but um <laughs> They they walked a well, we'll talk about that in later episodes. Never mind. Yeah, we'll get to them. We'll get to them. That's a that's a future Karsten Carey yes. conversation. Yes. Um, so the album itself, it's worth a listen. Like yeah. I, I'm not the biggest fan of it, and if you're not familiar with Blink 182, it's a good starting ground. Like it really is. You can you can hear as the influences grow with the band. Mm-hmm. Now. I'm not going to run through every single song on here because, again, you're going to hit a few songs that are really strong and the rest of them that are good for live shows. Yeah. 
when you think about an album and you're thinking about live shows, they do not always have the same music. Mm -hmm. And so having something that's going to get people up and moving at a show is great. But when you have a certain number of songs written, you're going to put them on an album and you're going to call it good. Right. It says a 41, 45 minute long album, Mm -hmm. which, you know, not the longest, not the shortest, but like it really felt like we're filling time more so than like this is our best work. Right. And I think that I, I, I wouldn't say that they probably didn't cut anything, but I imagine that in the future albums, the subsequent albums, they were much pickier about what songs would make it on. Yeah. Which is just fine. And I mean, some of that's even in the case of like the amount of th- the time of songs. This one has a one minute and 41 second song. Mm-hmm. It has a one minute song. It has like, you're, you're hitting on shorter ones. They right. Probably the average time is about two minutes and 30 seconds for each song. Yeah. Which, talking about a lot of albums, three minutes is about the average. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just kind of an interesting thing to take into consideration. Well, I think um, I think too it shows the like the the youth of the band too because it's like mm-hmm. holy shit we For get sure. to record an album we'll just throw everything on there, <laughs> yeah. you know, and like see what happens. Yeah. Well, and, and I think again, like this is a it's a young band. Mm-hmm. It's in with a record label that is based out of the same place that they're from. I think that even as they're talking about it, like this, I, I don't imagine that at that point any of them were like, hey, we are going to become this international right. band that's influential for music of a genre. Right. Like it was, it really seemed much more as we're going to have some fun. Yeah. Oh shit, we're going to get paid for it. Right. Cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. It just kind of had that feeling. Yeah. And that's what I think too, like as you touched on earlier with, kind of like what genre they're in because it's like we're Mm -hmm. a punk band but we want to have fun and be less serious and angry and like that didn't have a place yet like they kind of if i may be so bold as like they created that space so so, like i'm sure that yeah i'm sure that in this album they were like well we'll just throw some fun shit on there and like it'll be fine (laughs) and i think that another like okay i'm gonna compare something i may lose some people here okay but if you're familiar with Nirvana, this really is very similar to Bleach. Yes. In that, like, Bleach was this, like, we're a harder rock, we're angry. It's this, when you talk about Bleach as an album, it's listed as, like, it's an influential punk album. It's an influential, like, metal album. It's an influential alternative album because, like, it was like, we're finding space here. Right. And if you wouldn't have had that, Nevermind wouldn't have existed in that angsty exactly you know f- space and so i feel like similarly for bands and and it, again bands have different life cycles and that's good that's what makes music so unique but with this one they had their they had success with their demos which again buddha wasn't technically released at this time it was a series of three demos that were all kind of compiled later but um you have cheshire cat which is their 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 freshman album coming out mm-hmm. and it has it shows a lot of influence for where they're going mm-hmm. and i think that what's really interesting to think about was this was it was produced very quickly it was produced by you know people who had some experience with these other pop punk bands as it's all kind of starting mm-hmm. and you think like well what if they were to work with some of the like with like huge producers what would it have sounded like it wouldn't have ended up sounding anything like this right. and it would have set a precedence for where they would have gone mm-hmm. 
and, and I think that that's just it. It would have sounded like things that were really popular, not this, which got to the root of that youth garage. And, and they yeah. weren't playing garage. Like they, they were actually playing venues at this time. I, I say garage, but it's more of like more of like a way of thinking about like the type of energy that you're bringing. They, yeah. they were still they were playing decent sized venues, which is how their record, the record label actually was drawn to them was because they were they were a really good live show. Yeah. And so if you're thinking about this high energy live show of these kids that are having a ton of fun with some catchy songs, mm-hmm. yeah, that's going to be a good money draw. <laughs> right. And that's what this album is. If you're thinking about like listening to the album and imagining what it would have been like live in 95. Yeah. Um and if you're like looking at musicality and where things were at Kurt Cobain died in 94, we'll say died, and that really set a changing point in how the zeitgeist approached music. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that he was the only person who had music like that. It was just that it became a very pivotal point. And afterwards, you saw splits into things going much harder and much softer. And this was kind of that merger right between the alternative rock and the the pop. Mm Mm-hmm. Where it could it could chart both directions. Yep. It wasn't offensive to either side. Right. Where it could it could it could it could live in that space. Mm-hmm. And that's what was really great about where this was kind of going. So yeah. that's <laughs> that's kind of where we're heading down this path. Yeah. Um I remember um I heard a which I may have said on the previous episode, but um I remember hearing a statement from Mark saying, like, whenever I'm talking to industry or like whenever I'm like on an airplane and someone's like, what do you do? He's like, I play in a punk band. <laughs> He's like, whenever I talk to anyone anywhere close to the industry, I'm like, it's it's a pop punk thing. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm like that. Ju- I feel like that makes sense with just like, I'm sure they wanted to start off and be a punk band and then, but mm-hmm. they wanted to have fun at the same time. And so they were creating the, and they didn't realize they were creating this pop punk thing where, yeah, like the pop kids could come out and have a good time at a show and the more hardcore punk kids could like put down their angst for 30 seconds and just right and <laughs> and I, th- I saw a clip that was talking about all right not a clip but a, a clipping that talked about they were called punk and it was like they wanted that influence but at the same time like the pivotal punk band not saying this is the only one but like people thought of like oh the sex pistols well, yeah. we're nothing like the sex pistols we're nothing like these other really famous punk bands we don't have that kind of sound, right. so like, what do we call it? Which is like, I will say, in so many cases, people are like, "Oh, what kind of music do you listen to?" Or like, "Oh, what kind of music do you play?" What kind of do this? It's a loaded question. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're already like loading your argument shotgun and aiming it at me, and then when you say, "Oh, everything," I'm like, "Yeah, okay, fuck you. Come on, just be honest." Like. Right. You know, I listen to everything. I really don't like country, but I'm open to things. Okay, cool. Yeah, I can respect that. Like, yeah. I get it. Yeah. But but there's the point, like, whenever someone's like, oh, I listen to everything. I'm sitting here like, I'll pull out your phone. Fucking pull out your phone. <laughs> Let's compare what you're listening to to what I'm listening to. Let's see who has the most diversity here. Yeah. Like, and I'll admit, like, that's the way I feel. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. And as the musician front, when someone says, what genre do you play? It's that whole idea of like, okay, well, where do I go? Right. And I remember someone who was like mostly just sex grooves. 
was their default answer. Like back when I used to play a bunch, someone always like, what kind of music do you play? Mostly just sex grooves because no one ever had follow-up questions. Yep. No one ever wanted to talk about it. If you said sex grooves, they were like, I don't even fucking, <laughs> I don't want to know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't know what about. that is and it seems like a weird path to go down together. And, so Right. And so it's either like, okay, I want to figure out what the hell they have going on right. or you know what, fuck this band. And if someone was already going to just be like, I'm just looking for a reason not to listen to you, perfect way to get rid of people. Yep. That's definitely the douchebag buffer to get people out. <laughs> so, okay, so a couple songs I want to talk about. Yes. I want to talk about Toast and Bananas. <laughs> and I don't know how familiar with Toast and Bananas you are right off the top I of your gonna head. I was going to say, like, I, I honestly can't come up. Like, I'm sure I know it. I have no so, idea what it is. <laughs> So before we started this, I was like, I don't want to ruin this reaction, but I need to ask this question. Do you know the song Glycerin by Bush? And she was like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. We're not going to say anything else. And I was like, I can't tell if that's going to be good or bad. (laughs) I want to point out Toast and Bananas Mm -hmm. came out in February of 95. Okay. Yep. Glycerin by Bush came out in November. And if you listen to those songs, <laughs> the one sounds like a ripoff of the other one, but it came out first. Oh, my gosh. Okay, hold on. I got to look this up. Like, it has this kind of energy and feel about it. Like, not the same, like, melody, but you can hear you can hear it there. And every time I've ever heard Toast and Bananas, I always think of Glycerin by Bush. <laughs> oh, this one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I oh didn't want gosh. to ruin this. <laughs> I didn't want to ruin this reaction from being on the podcast. <laughs> it was just a matter of, I just need you to be familiar enough that when I say this. <laughs> oh my God. Even like, okay, I have to pause it. I'm 30 seconds in. First of all, it, like when, it, when Tom said, my pants are off right now, I was like, oh, yeah, this song. But then the dun dun dun, I was like, holy shit. And Tom's voice, like there was yeah, Tom's voice. Literally. Like he just okay. said two. So you listen to and that, that was song. like exactly. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. If I would have told you that it was written as a parody of Glycerin, you'd probably be like, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, for for sure. sure. I can hear yeah. that. You're like, oh, it also came out, you know months and months earlier like was glycerin recorded at that time i don't know right. do i expect bush to have been listening to this no right but oh my god if you haven't listed this you have to listen you to have this to too. it's to it. crazy i am so, texting my brother tonight <laughs> <laughs> so literally every time that i've ever heard that song i'm like okay it is not anywhere close to being anything like that right it's awkward and weird and angsty yep. and super immature again starts off with some take i have no pants on i've taken my pants yeah, off my, something my like that my pants are off right now yeah yeah and like it feels like the attempt of writing that kind of angsty song that would have been at lilith fair yep and that's what it is in the middle of this blink 182 <laughs> album Every time I've ever heard it, all I hear is like, oh, I think they're making fun of Bush. So when we sat down, we're on camera. We're just chit-chatting. Like, before we start recording, I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot to look something up. 
I needed to look up when it was recorded Which because I have first? always been curious. Oh my so, god! Yeah, yeah. Cheshire Cat came out in February. Glycerin was released November fourteenth, nineteen ninety. That's insane. And it was the fourth album from or, or fourth single from this album. Let me check when that album came out. Just uh, October. Uh, nope, nope. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, it, the album was released in December, so the single came out beforehand. So it was one of the before the album was out. Oh Kay. my god! So there you go. I'm I'm happy that I've both enhanced and ruined both songs simultaneously. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, that's pretty good. That's incredible. Yeah, that was really all I wanted out of this whole episode was, was just to bring that, that was up. worth it. Like I don't even know how to continue, but like. <laughs> My, because my mind is shattered. <laughs> I guess we can like talk M&Ms about it at all. I mean, like, those are good songs. Like, <laughs> we we kind of need to talk about Depends. Like, yeah, I feel like it's a really important song to talk about. Right. If you haven't heard Depends, um, well, Depends is literally all about Depends. Yep. And pooping yourself and peeing yourself. Yep. Okay, we've talked about Depends. Right. I, I was gonna say I don't know what. More. <laughs> well, I mean, the weird voices that they do Depends undergarments <laughs> is pretty good. Yeah, I made that sound like it was like an infomercial, but it really wasn't. It's just they they say depends, and someone sings other things. I yeah. kind of wish that it was used for a for a commercial for <laughs> it now, though. I mean, in retrospect, I like to imagine that it was like, you know, just something they're like, oh, this is going on. like okay. I'll say in in the early two thousands, I played music, and I was around a lot of musicians who were also in like shitty bands. And everyone would joke around about writing jingles for Tampax was there because it was just a thing that was popular. So I'd love to imagine that that's why they wrote it was just they were like, maybe we could get on this thing and be goofy. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my, my brain is Sorry. just. I, I'm fine. <laughs> and get I reached back. the point where I just couldn't keep it anymore. Get it I back. had to share it because. <laughs> There, there's just not a ton of people that I feel are familiar with both songs enough that they would be like, oh, oh yeah, cool. Right. It's either they have they would know the one and hear the other and go, oh, this is that. Right. You have to have that familiarity with both. And it is I've, yeah. really fucking good. I, oh, I've never like had that together, but yeah, that just changed my life. I'm on a different trajectory I'm, now. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to. We just created a variant. We, we just created a variant right there. 100%. Here comes the TVA. Yep. Let's hope, you know. Um, <laughs> but I, what I love is, I think in some cases, like I imagine that you'll also be like, "How did I not hear this right. before?" Next time you hear it, exactly. Like I feel like, I don't know. I'm gonna have my like music on shuffle and toast bananas is gonna come over and be like, "Damn it! How did I not?" And then glycerin is gonna come, but I'm like, "How? How?" Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's good. I was actually just thinking um, that okay. in my head. I was like, I was listening to both of those songs at like relatively the same time. I really should have. <laughs> I mean, they came out within a year of each right. other. Oh, yeah. Gosh. So, okay. Incredible. So I do feel like the, the M&M's was probably a, the more popular one. They had the music video for that yep. one. But Carousel, I feel, is the much more longstanding yes. off of there. Now, I believe that that was also on both of those. Was M&M's on Buddha? Because I know Carousel, Carousel was, was for sure. I was just actually looking that up because I don't remember. I don't think it but, was. But I, I will say Buddha wasn't released. It had been mixtape. Right. So really, as you're talking about albums available, this was the first album that wasn't a demo, mixtape, lo-fi release. Right. And 
carousel has i think it was one of those that it's always just been one that as you're thinking earlier blink it's just it's so good at describing mm-hmm. how things feel yep while not being necessarily super serious right and it's one that the poetry of it that i appreciate is it really encapsulates what it's like what it, what it captures what it feels like to be that youthful person and being in a post relationship yep and being in relationships and where you feel and you know what what is what does everything feel like mm-hmm. and i think that what's really interesting is as you listen to it I really feel that when you heard it for the first time and when you've listened to it, what is the age that you associate with it? I feel it doesn't grow with you. Right. But I feel that it has that. So when when you think of this song and think of the lyrics, where would you associate that those the kids being in the story? Because yeah. for me, I think that it's I think about them in like more of like a high school setting. Mm-hmm. But, like, just that's the way I've pictured it. Right. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're in, like, a high school setting. Yep. But, like, also at the same time, like, as you're talking about a tank of gas is a treasure to me and I know now that nothing is free. Like, well, yeah, I totally get that. Like, but then they also have, I need a job just to sleep in sheets. I'm like, well, that's not really high school. Like, mom and dad will do your laundry for you and shit. But, like, there's this association with it. Mm -hmm. So, just kind of, I think what's really fascinating is it really does kind of run through this whole existence yeah and it is a world within itself and i know that like if mark and tom were here they're like oh thank you sip my wine (laughs) that was really what we were going for in the uh no it wasn't that like i just want to hit this first the first opening verse yep that's just kind of talking through and sets up what the song is and it's i talk to you every now and then i never felt so alone again i stopped to think at a wishing well my thoughts send me on a carousel here I am, standing on my own, not a motion from the telephone. I know not a reason why. Solitude's a reason to die, just you wait and see. As school life is a woken dream, aren't you feeling alone? I guess it's just another night alone. Yeah. And I think what's weird is, like, you can read through that and you're okay, kid, you're fine, grow up. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you're like, you know, there's actually a lot of feeling behind some of those lines. Like, solitude's a reason to die. That is, I know a lot of people that can associate with that in a really true way, yep. especially looking back on COVID-19. Like, right. <laughs> there's, there's some there's some brutality there's, in that. Yeah. Um, aren't you feeling alone? It's just another night alone. Like there is yeah. some real power behind that. Yeah. And I think that what's really funny is like, even when I hung out with people that were, you know, when you're at it this is a personal thing some people are still like this is adults but like when you're younger it's the oh i don't listen to that kind of music because you know i'm all metal or whatever carousel was one of those songs it was like carousel was one that was on the all fine you could fly on this one anytime it's there were no fly songs that Mm -hmm. you know you couldn't do that one but carousel was one that even the metalheads would joke around we'd play around with that one and like Similar, it was like certain Michael Jackson songs. Sure, that's fine. I remember jamming with a metal band and playing Michael Jackson and some, you know, some Blink-182 and like some some Britney Spears that were like, these are fine and acceptable songs because of what they're what they are. Yeah. 
and it's not just because they're popular. Right. So that this that that's where I feel Carousel is a little bit more transcendent out of the mm-hmm. album than Eminem's is. Right. I agree. Yeah, I I find it interesting because but I'm slightly younger in the mm-hmm. in the in the world here. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> but I I honestly always associated it like I think of it in middle school, which makes no sense because like we can't even drive in middle school. <laughs> right. <laughs> like we don't right. need takes of gas. But like that's the like like that's the emotion I think of and like thinking back on my life, not to get to a therapy session here, but like my first heartbreak mm-hmm. was like a group of friends that I was with that in high school completely blew up. And like mm-hmm. so they're not a romantic relationship, but I think like that was my first real heartbreak was like this group of friends. And I remember like listening to this song and being like, Yeah, you know, and having that A take of gas is a treasure to me. <laughs> I don't know that nothing is free. I need a job to sleep in sheets my parents are providing me with and I can't even work yet because that's illegal. Um, I buy, I do buy food every once in a while, <laughs> but not enough to purchase a smile. Like, Right, like it makes, yeah, like the lyrics there make no sense. Um, yeah. But I so remember I think- like tapping into the emotion of the song. And then mm-hmm. also it's that power of music where like he's expressing this incredible feeling of of solitude and of being alone and this like and this loneliness and yet by doing that is creating a solidarity with people that are feeling mm-hmm. alone so you know you're not right but you can feel the feeling it's oh, so good so i think what's really interesting is and i'm going to talk a little bit about some of the songs that come forward because if you are going to listen to all of these songs that we're going to do all the albums we will mm-hmm. but as you go through there a couple ones that i want to call out is generally like every album has like one or two super intense songs. Mm -hmm. And the ones that I want to call out real quick are Adam's Song and Stay Together for the Kids, which I already referenced earlier. Those are two hyper-serious songs Mm -hmm. that talk about concerns, emotions, feelings, etc. The thing I really enjoy about this is in when I was thinking back on Blink-182 as a, you know, as a whole story, I feel like this one was never considered that way for me. Yeah. But I feel like it actually probably is the way I associate it. Right. Adam's song focuses on suicide. Mm -hmm. You have Stay Together for the Kids is talking about a broken home. This is really that first heartbreak feeling. Yeah. And it's funny because it's not presented the same way as it did. The other two are much more melodic, drawn out. It's obvious when you're listening to this, you should be feeling remorse sadness yeah you're, you're overcoming this angst where this one is like hey yes we've got really fast power chords where these riffs are just three of the best chords you're ever going to need just over and over and over and over oh wait there's a fourth one cool all right this is even better you know like <laughs> right. and that is what this is while talking through these mm-hmm. and i feel like as you're kind of hitting through that we have this one here and then trying to remember the name of the one off of um fudge sickle that's not it um <laughs> i didn't know that they Dude had Ranch. an album called fudge sickle uh, yeah it's probably one of the future ones by plus 44 <laughs> um gosh damn it is probably mm. one of those on the next yep. one where it's like 
hey, we're this fun band that's having a good time, but we're also going to sometimes sneak in some seriousness. But, like, don't pay attention to the seriousness. Don't pay attention to the man behind. It's just a little bit of my pain I have to put out in public so I can continue to feel the anger and frustration and angst that I use as my writing methodology that's going to power me through to becoming an international superstar. Right. Oh, wait, no. Super Hits was uh, Green Day. Um, <laughs> haha. I think that was... I, I, I'm not sure everyone's going to get that, but they had the greatest hits called international super hits. But (laughs) okay. Anyways. um, But damn it on dude ranch. What I think would also fall into that dude ranch and Cheshire cat each have this, that carousel and damn it have a very similar feeling of there is seriousness here Mm -hmm. that may not really feel like it's serious, Mm -hmm. but it is. Right. And then it's like, Okay, we're big enough now. We're just gonna actually like play it. Yeah, there's some shit in life, guys. Right. Like, and not just growing up is hard. Right. Because that is part. That's damn. I was gonna but, say, like, <laughs> growing up is, is hard. I, I think there's a there's a meme that I think that gets circled around where someone had said, "Dude, growing up sucks," and Mark Hoppus replied, "Like we tr- or Blink One Eight yeah. Two replied, we tried to warn we tried you. To warn you. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, and that that is a lot of it. Where it's like, yeah, we're living in this perpetual state of adolescence and then you know i'm getting to that point where i'm at an age that i'm like oh shit am i getting old Mm -hmm. like i feel that yeah and it's like oh damn it do you know what it feels like to be surrounded by a bunch of people that are my age but they're old and i'm not like there's this perpetual state of where are you in life and i think that that's really something that is being captured in here Mm -hmm. like i don't know It, it i may be reading into this i'll never know what they directly felt like at any point but it is, you know, it's just something to be aware of. Yeah. So. And yeah. it's like the song, as you said earlier, that has more stood the test of time and like that they still, mm-hmm. I guess, I, I don't know, most recently, but like they carry it forward into their live shows further mm-hmm. than Eminem's ever made it, you know? And. Right. Yeah. When you, what, at least when I think of early Blink-182, Carousel's the first song that I think of. Right. Well, I mean, just using this as a reference point, like they're twenty, and like, but tw- in in there, like, I will. Okay, so Scott, I think, was still was younger, but Tom and Mark were twenty, twenty two ish, somewhere around in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott was under under twenty, <laughs> so like, drummer's younger, but like that's kind of their age that they're writing this and releasing this album, yeah. just kind of as a barometer. So, yeah. It, it's kind of interesting. And like you're talking about what is that <laughs> carousel really looking through the the idea of loss and heartbreak in a very differing view. Um, I was recently talking to someone about vulnerability and what that what being vulnerable in a relationship looks like, because those are the kind of conversations I have now that I'm an old man. Yeah. And was like, it Brene Brown? As someone. <laughs> it was. <laughs> um so in this case, it was, it was it's, I have a friend who's, as they're just dating and like, as you're talking through the life cycle of a relationship, how you start, it's such a funny way. It's the same thing they talk about with interviews. Like you go into an interview and you're supposed to just be yourself. Mm-hmm. You want to be as comfortable as possible because you want to show exactly who you're going to be. And yet you go in walls up with a very constructed view of what you want to share right. that may or may not represent you. Yeah. Which is kind of a funny idea. Same thing in a relationship. You start off in a relationship and it's like, okay, I don't really know this person like super well or I don't know how we would behave 
together. So I'm going to create this image of what I want to see myself as. And that's what I'm going to do. And you fast forward and it's like, well, as you become more emotionally open and vulnerable, you're much more open to hurt. Right. And that's kind of where we're talking about that. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like some of that kind of gets in here and you can feel some of that where you're looking back and it's like, it's a song about younger vulnerability. And like, I look back and think about the heartbreak, sadness, and in this case, the vulnerability of high school. And I'm like, shit, dude, that was rookie stuff. Yeah. You were an idiot, dude. Like Karsten in high school, that dude was a dumbass. (laughs) He broke up with a girl, the Faith Hills breed. (laughs) Like you don't do that shit. No one does that shit. He did. Yeah. He was a fucking idiot. Yep. But this was like some existential understanding of myself. Right. Written in these lyrics. Yeah. Because that's just how you associate some of those. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like I think it's so easy to look back on stuff and be like, dude, that's not that big of a deal. But to remember yeah. in the moment, that was your whole life, you know? And like. Yeah. 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 Like, there is a point, like, I have no interest in my wife leaving me, just in case she happens to listen to this episode. Please don't. But I imagine, like, if you know now, you know, if you know then what you knew now, you know, et cetera, like, how would I handle that kind of breakup if I was, like, much better at looking in at myself now than I was then? And, like, I talked to um, a friend who, you know, I always say the hardest thing in the world is looking in the mirror and being honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. Because you can lie to everybody. Like, you can put on, like, how are things going? Oh, things are going good. Your default answer, you know? Oh, things are going well, you know? Yeah. In your head, you're like, I'm fucking dying inside. Right. And how do I actually do? Like, that's fine. Look in the mirror and being honest with yourself. I like to imagine that I could, I was not as good at that back then. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, oh, man, this is a really kind of a tough time. But you know what? I think that what I need to do is try to, align myself on the future and right <laughs> not not live in the moment because yeah. this moment is temporary like yeah yeah okay everyone knew that kid in high school right but it generally started with a giant rip of the bong berry style right so <laughs> that was just it i'm not sure if carrie listened to that episode but it was a whole thing mm-hmm. so anybody else that's all for <laughs> it's all for you major rip and i'm gonna imer- imagine from now on that's barry just huge <laughs> Like, he rocks out with the biggest joint ever, and he's like, Snoop Dogg would be impressed. Yep. And then he's like, at this point, things are temporary, and it's okay. Things are going to be all right. Mm -hmm. Here, read these lyrics by Blink-182, and your life will improve. I could totally see it. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so M&M's was actually the one that was set up to be, like, to be their their thing. That's the one they have the music video for. And I think that what, uh, why I can totally understand that is, in hearing that song on the Mark, Tom, and Travis show, which we will get to, mm-hmm. it is a fun fucking song. Mm-hmm. And I imagine at a show, it is really fucking good. Yes. As when I was learning to play guitar, it was a fun guitar line. Mm-hmm. Everything about it was fun. Mm-hmm. But then once you learn how to play it, and you get past that live thing... It's just not the one you jam to in your car. Yep. It's got a different feeling. Like, okay, let's let's flip over to the, something else because it just has that feeling that it is, again, going back to this is a younger album. Like, 
these are live album or these are live songs right. that were recorded for an album. Right. Like so many of these carousel. Yeah. The reason why is because it stands out so much here because it's a song you listen to. Right. You, you your your depends is not one I'm going to listen to right. on a regular. Someone jumps in the car. I'm going to turn off Car- Cheshire Cat and I'm going to turn on something else like just because as i'm listening to this it's just not that thing where like oh it's even good like it 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 was a solid thing for the time but all of the songs that were being played they didn't go in to write an album they went in to just play shows right and they recorded an album as a byproduct of right so and with eminem's like even listening just to the the music and the guitarists and stuff like i can like you can so easily picture a crowd at a show like like the punk Mm -hmm. rock crowds that are hitting into each other and stuff like that's the energy of it yep. and you can also yep. it's the you know my love life was getting so bland there are only so many ways i can make love with my hand that's a live mm-hmm. show funny moment yeah for people that are there yeah that's not absolutely <laughs> you know think about this in your bedroom or do but and i think something I, well, <laughs> well, no, no. <laughs> mm. um i think the thing that i will just kind of bring up now and i'll, I'll echo this back is the these songs that are written like there are different approaches to how you work on your writing process especially for what becomes a successful band because the longer that you're the more that you're touring the more successful you become you make more money that that way like album sales can be really great but it also puts butts in the seats right. and at least traditionally you're going to get a better cut of the house sales yeah. with the bigger arena that you can play rather than the one dollar off or not even a dollar off the album that you're going to sell exactly hey we sold two hundred and fifty thousand copies we made a dollar off of each one right. like we're going to cut that three ways and there we go that was over the course of a decade or whatever it yeah was. so like as, you, as you're kind of thinking through it like you're touring if you can start getting some of the cuts off of those seats makes a difference so your live show is incredibly important as earlier musicians or especially earlier bands are going if you can keep that touring going um so when we get to the mark tom and travis show the enema strikes back to me it is i will say it now that is my probably it's one of my favorite blink blink albums Mm -hmm. there are a few that i would kind of argue back and forth depending on my mood but it is always number one or number two yep and that is just because it captures the energy. It captures the fun. When you're listening to Cheshire Cat and you hear them do their goofy voices and they're they're joking around and um, there's only so many ways you can make love to your hand, it's funny. Yeah. People are going to yell. They're going to scream. They're going to have a good time. And when you're listening to that with the Mark Tom and Travis show, The Enema Strikes Back, trying to get the full title in Thank there. Thank you. They've gotten better at it. They've improved, and it's funnier, and you can feel the energy of the crowd when you're sitting with a pair of shitty headphones on, Yep, and you're hearing it. Yeah. And I remember back when it was harder to get your hands on a copy of this. Someone would have it, and we would listen to it because you could feel it. Even if it's just you and your buddy is sitting in a room, you could feel that energy. Mm-hmm. This is the root of that. Right. That is planting the tree to grow towards that. So if this were considered a live album, you would listen to it very differently. Mm-hmm. 
and I think that that's that's part of the factor. Yeah. So if you think of this as like the 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 putting the seed in the ground that grows towards the Enema Strikes Back, the Mark Thomas Travis shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I completely agree. And um, I was thinking too, like, n- I'm not to bring another band into this, but um, I heard. Uh, That's all we're doing. We're just talking about other bands. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I heard, uh, or there's a documentary on Foo Fighters that I spend too many times watching, but Dave mm-hmm. Grohl talks about, like, he's like, we didn't really have a good opener song for shows. So he said in England, instead of like beating the shit out of each other, people bounce up and down. And he's like, so I just got up and like jumped up and down to find a rhythm. And then out came like the dun, 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 like the anyway. So he was like, I found the rhythm to get people to jump so that we could have a live show that was successful so that we could continue being a band. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so there is this clip that circulates around that Mark Hoppus is talking to Dave Grohl. And he says, you gave me one of the, like, the best pieces yes. of advice, if it was advice, so to speak. And it was uh, Blink-182 at the time. They were coming off. It was after Enema of the States. This is early as we're talking about Cheshire Cat. But because we're bringing up Foo Fighters, I'm just going to roll right yep. in here. And it was essentially, he goes like, well, Tom and Mark were really missing their wives. Yep. Or their girlfriends. Yep. Sorry, girlfriends. And Dave was like, why don't you just fly him out? Like, just fly him to Australia. And they were like... Because we don't have Nirvana money. <laughs> That's why we can't. Yep. And Dave Grohl's response was like, oh, you should. It's really yeah. great. And that was the end of the thought. Like, like, God, that's so funny. So, so good. Fun. Okay. Love Dave Grohl. Cheshire Cat. I feel like we've talked quite a bit about, about Cheshire Cat. I feel like it's one of those. I'm not going to go album by album. Touchdown Boy is really is a funny song. Yep. It really is. Uh, just like his dog, he's committed to his bone. Funny line. It's again... It's a live album right. that's not live. It's a studio <laughs> exactly. recording for a live audience. Yep. Um, I feel it's worth a listen. Again, it's not one that hits into heavy rotation for me because all of the best songs that are on this appear on The Anima Strikes Back, the, uh, the Mark Thomas Travis show, The Anima Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'd prefer to listen to yeah. it. Yeah. Because you hear it in the live format. Right. You hear it the way it was intended to be heard. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so and using that as an example, that's fast forwarding, what, five, six years into the future. They're still playing a bunch of these songs because they're really good live songs. Right. You can hear where they're funny and fun and they can have a, if you look at these 18 songs on this thing, it's 41 minutes. If you're doing a 30 minute set, you have rotation that you can have a couple of them that are not going to make it in. And honestly, you're probably going to cut that in half at least for what your live song is. So you have time to talk and chit chat between each one to talk themselves up. This is that. Yep. So that is really the main reason why it doesn't hit into my rotation. Because if I want to listen to an album, I start my albums at Dude Ranch. Mm-hmm. Because everything I love about this album is better in the future. Yep. I completely agree. So It's good to know. It's good to listen to. But it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a. Like, when I go to listen to Blink-182, I'm very rarely, if ever, popping in Cheshire Cat. But it's good to, yeah. But again, it's good to listen to. It's good to keep in the rotation every once in a while. But I'll find the mm-hmm. songs in their better recorded places. They're better. Re- <laughs> well, the whole, it's so funny because we talk about better recording. It's, it's, 
I, I feel like in a lot of cases, like there are cuts of them that I've heard that I'm like, it's not even like better audio. Right. It's just it's the in their natural environment. Right. Like yeah. it's where it belongs. It's it's and, the energy and the yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think that if if actual Blink One Eighty Two, Mark Tom and Travis, not plus forty four that exists today, were to go back and re record their discography as they feel it was the most important, there'd be a few songs off this one and it gets heavier and heavier with their other albums. Mm -hmm. If they were making an album. Right. If they were making a set list, they may pull more. Right. So, okay. Uh, any, 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 any other closing thoughts? I think, I, no, I think I'm good. All right. Yeah. Well, up next, we, uh, so ending this album, because this is where it gets tricky, we'll continue with the time frame of the band. This ends continuing with Mark, Tom, and Scott as the musicians, which is where we will pick up Dude Branch in the future, which is their next studio album. And that's kind of where we're at for timeline. Yeah. Um, otherwise, check it out. If you have thoughts, think that we're wrong, let us know. I love to be told I'm wrong. It's like my jam. Mm-hmm. It's what I'm used to because I work with Barry <laughs> and that's just life. Right. But uh, otherwise, uh, I appreciate you turning in. I've been Carson. I've been Carrie. Thanks for sharing your time with us. If you like this episode, we are so sorry. But this has been the Black Door Music Argument, where opinions are always welcome. But are probably wrong. We mind. We provide the best research Wikipedia offers. So tell all of your friends and your mistress. Or your manstress. Or your other token female friends. But not your grandma. Unless your grandma's fucking cool. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Look for us on Instagram. We're not on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. We don't tweet. Like us on Facebook. Okay, Boomer. Talk about us on MySpace. Or Friendster. Stop trying to out MySpace me. And always remember to clear your browser history. But most of all. Especially important. Super crucial. The ultimate. Baby, Baby, it's it's cold cold outside. outside.